Hello, I'm Neil Aitchison and welcome to Warwick Podcasts. In the first of a series of podcasts with this year's honorary graduates at Warwick, I'm joined by Professor Dennis Noble. He's been awarded an honorary degree in this year's degree congregation. Professor Noble is one of the UK's leading systems biologists. He was a pioneer in the field and led the team which developed the first viable mathematical model of the working heart in 1960, which has improved our understanding of how the heart works and how it responds to drugs. More recently, he was part of a group that used supercomputers to create the first computerised virtual organ, the virtual heart. He is co-director of computational physiology at Oxford University. Professor Noble, just uh, a quick word about getting the honorary degree here and uh, what's your reaction to that? Well, a tremendous pleasure because the University of Warwick is one of the great success stories of modern universities in higher education in Britain. It's standing in the world, it's standing in Britain, it's very high. To receive an honour here at this university is therefore a great pleasure. But there's an additional reason, which is that I like the fact that the initiative for this has come from maths and computing. Uh, and uh, it's a sort of recognition of the uh, systems biology centre that really that you've come along today. I think that's the major reason, yes, because not only was I one of the first to use mathematics to do systems biology many, many years ago before people even thought of the word, uh, but I've also written one of the most popular books on the subject, The Music of Life. And most people say that that's the best introduction to systems biology that they have read. Now, that's not me saying that, although I am saying it, it's what readers say. Uh, and we'll come to that in a minute, but, but just yeah. to take you back to that sort of uh, the, the start of it all and, yes. uh, and a sort of look back, really. And how has the discipline of systems biology changed since? 1960s and well, 60s. you know, in 1960, I was virtually alone. When I went to the um, university, it was the London University computer. It was a great big machine stored in a basement. And I asked to use it. They said, a biologist using a computer? Unheard of. You see, it was used by the mathematicians, by the computer scientists, by the particle physicists, by the astronomers, but never by a biologist. They didn't think that I could do it. Six months later, I had my first paper in Nature, so I proved them wrong. Their scepticism <laughs> was proven wrong. And how important has it become as a, dis a discipline in science? Though? Oh, if you now Google systems biology in quotes, so that you only get uh, the quotes of those two uh, together, you'll get about oh, 18 million hits. There's the evidence. It's all over the place. And it's an essential in research across science, not only in biology. It is the 21st century version of biology because the, the, sorry, the 20th century was essentially the uh, century of reductive biology, identifying all the components, the genes, the proteins and the other molecules that make the living system what it is. What we're now doing is to try to understand the interactions between all of those. And that's what systems is about. Systems is interactions. And understanding that is going to be the biology of the 21st century. And just coming to that, then, and your book, uh, The Music of Life, uh, and just to explain your sort of thinking there, which, uh, as I understand it in summary, is uh, not looking at uh, humans as, uh, as beings, as uh, individual 
bits of DNA, but Indeed. as a more sort of complex structure, a, a note and a, a whole symphony, the, the music of life. So just explain a little bit about that. Thinking. Exactly so, because, you know, when the Human Genome Project was announced, people said, when we have read all the DNA, we will have read the Book of Life. Well, I don't think it's like that. That DNA sequence is a little bit like the CD that you put in your music player to listen to some music. It is not the music itself. It is what enables the reading by the CD player to produce music for you to listen to. And in a similar way, the DNA isn't producing functionality, you and me and other organisms, until it is read by the rest of the system. So I change the metaphors a lot. I say that not only is the DNA a little bit like a CD, um, it's also a little bit like the score of a piece of music. And again, you know, the score of a piece of music isn't the music itself. It's only music when it's played by musicians who know how to play it. Those are the metaphors that I try to substitute for the reductive metaphors that have been used so far. And what sort of implication does that then have for the study of systems biology and, and indeed biology generally? Well, first of all, it means that you need a very different mindset. You need, for example, to see that mathematics and medicine come together. Systems biology cannot be done without mathematics because the interactions are so complicated. We can't just with our heads think about it. We need the tool of mathematics in order to understand the interactions that we, we study. But there is another and much more and potentially more important implication, which is that if you look at life as being essentially about genes, um, then you end up with the absurdities. For example, recently on the BBC, there was an announcement that people had found the gene for political opinion. Well, there is no such gene. <laughs> There isn't even, and this may surprise you, there isn't even a gene for cardiac rhythm. Cardiac rhythm, as I showed way back in 1960, arises because of the interactions of all the genes that are involved. It doesn't get to be understood at the level of the DNA. And that's going to cause, what, a, a change in the thinking of, of biology and systems biology? I think it will also cause a change in the way in which society thinks about the implications of biological research. I think we need less of the genes for this, the genes for that. We need more understanding that we are interactive processes. Yes, we start with a complement of genes, of course, which we inherit from our parents. Of course that is true. But then what happens is an interaction with the rest of the environment in which we live, the, the cellular and organ systems that we inherit, as well as the genes, and all of that makes it much more subtle. And so people should use less um, simplistic language about describing the relationship, for example, between our behaviour and our genes. And what does this bode for the, the future then? What, what do you see as the, the next big uh, leap in systems biology? I Yes, I think the, the implications of all of this is that people who are working in interdisciplinary fields like applying maths and computing to biological science are going to find a lot of opportunities. That's already happening. We're receiving graduates from maths and computing 
in larger numbers than ever before because they're interested in the challenge that this kind of area um, creates for them. They are excited by that challenge and they want to work in it. And so we get some of the very best. We get the top people in maths and computing coming to work with us. And I think that's where it's going to develop. And I think it's going to expand really very rapidly because funding opportunities here in the United Kingdom, in Japan, in the United States, in the European Union have all increased enormously in recent years. Systems biology has almost become the buzzword. And we're actually speaking in MOAC, the uh, yeah. doctoral training centre, rather, that uh, does exactly that sort of work, bringing scientists from, from across the spectrum together to study sort of post-degree level. That's the sort of thing that we're going to see more of. Absolutely so. And the University of Warwick, of course, is one of the leading areas in doing exactly this. And it requires, of course, that the maths and computing people come together with the biologists and the medical scientists to create these centres for doctoral training. Because none of us will have the skills from our first degrees that we need. I didn't. I did a first degree in medical science. I had to teach myself mathematics in order to do what I was doing. What the doctoral training centres are doing is ensuring that people have got the training necessary for this kind of interdisciplinary work. It's going to change the way in which we do science. And what role do you think uh, the Systems Biology Centre here at Warwick might uh, ha have in that uh new world, as it were? Well, a very important role because of Warwick's stature as a, a major research university of the United Kingdom, but also because the people here um, are dedicated to what they are doing. Uh, people like Professor Rand um, are developing this area extremely well. They can see what the challenges are. They've got very interesting projects for people to work on. And what I've seen of the Systems Biology Centre here and the Doctoral Training Centre encourages me to think that Warwick is going to play a very major role in all of this. Professor Noble, thanks very much. Thank you.